let's turn in our Bibles to Psalms 119 and verse 162. You know, Psalms 119 has got a lot of verses. Psalms 119, verse 162. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord today. Speak to us by your spirit. May we all be encouraged. And when we leave this place, we'll all be able to say it was good to have been in this place today. And we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. He said here, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. That word spoil there is a little blind to us. It literally means great treasure or abundant spoil or abundant blessings. But now notice he said, I'm going to rejoice at your word. I wonder if we'll experience the great treasures of God's word if there's no rejoicing about the word. I rejoice. Hallelujah. At thy word. So what do you say? Let's get happy today. Let's have a good, good, happy meal. It's time to feed on the word. It's time to take it in. To inhale, if you will. I looked up the word inhale, and it means to take in eagerly. Maybe you will remember one of all politicians was accused of smoking marijuana. He said, well, I smoked, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, that means I just kind of kept it in my mouth where others are inhaling and feeling the effects of it. And sometimes that can happen in church, not in this church. But, you know, you'll be preaching and, and some will take it in, but they won't inhale. But if you ever receive revelation knowledge, if you ever if you ever open up your heart and receive with meekness the engrafted word, the word of God will go into you. It will change your thinking. It will change your attitude and it will change your life. The word of God is a mind altering substance. Many of you took mind-altering substances out there in the world, but we're not talking about those kinds of substances. We're talking about God's Word. We're talking about feeding on manna from heaven, and it will change you. Somebody says, well... When you got on this mind-altering substance, the Word of God, just how high did you get? I'll tell you how high we got. He raised us up together. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul had tremendous revelation, did he not? And you and I feed on the Pauline revelation many, many Sundays during the course of the year. We are to feed on the revelation that the Lord Jesus gave Paul daily. This revelation are the in Christ, in whom, what we have, where we have, and what we can do 
in and through Christ Jesus. Paul's revelation is like, it's like a, someone called it, Paul's revelation is like a system of truth. You know, there's football season coming up, and I know that we probably have Raiders fans here and Niners fans or whatever the case might be. But there are some coaches in college football that are notorious for their team making it to the national championship just about every year. And the reason why is this. They have a certain system. They have a certain, certain things that they implement at the beginning of the summer when they practice. I've heard that Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, would start every training camp by raising up a football and saying, this is a football. And he would teach them the basics and the Green Bay Packer way and the systems that they would function in. Coaches like that who implement their system have a history of taking a person with little talent and making them a mucho, mucho talented player. Somebody says, what's that got to do with the word of God? When you get into Paul's system of truth, he will put his super on your natural and he will make you a champion in life. Ordinary people like you and like me when we plug into the Word of God, all of a sudden the lights go on. Your mind gets renewed. Your body gets stronger. And so we need to make sure then that we are continually feeding and meditating on these, on these truths. Say it with me. My father has a reputation of working with some real losers and making them champions. There's no losers in the house today. Now, scriptures that we've looked at, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made what? that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I'm glad that God is doing a work in you. I'm glad that He's doing a work in me. And in His work, as His workmanship, we need to be mindful of the fact that God don't make any junk. Now, he takes people that were junk, cleans them up, cleanses them by the blood of Jesus, and turns their life around. But in the eyes of God and in Christ Jesus, you are his workmanship, you are his poetry, you are his poem. And that, my brothers and sisters, should make you happy. Did you know that the Apostle Paul himself was very very happy. In spite of some of the things that he had been through. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 
we see a list of the things that the Apostle Paul had gone through. He said, for example, in verse 24, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. He says, thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. <laughs> Man, that, that's a tough day right there. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings office, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and in perils among false brethren. In weary... Seems like maybe he should have gone to see Dr. Phil or something. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. I want us to make a statement to you that should set your heart rejoicing, and that is this. Sometimes we go through some things to get to some things. So don't be bummed out about what you're going through, because we are going through the valley of the shadow of death but we're not afraid because he is with us and we're going to make it through the valley and we're going to go through to the other side just like we said at the beginning of the pandemic we're going to make it through there's going to be some tough times there's going to be some testings but by the grace of god we are making it through and we are declaring an end to that in jesus name now Here's what I want you to see. Paul could endure these things and really stay happy because he knew his destiny. He knew his destiny. He knew that he was called to testify before kings. He knew that he was to testify of the goodness of God and of the resurrection power of God before Pharaoh, before the Roman Empire, and before Caesar himself. The Apostle Paul was a very, uh, very controversial individual. The religious peoples hated him. They didn't like what he stood for. They wanted to shut him up. That's why we look at First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter eleven to see all the things that he went through. But how many of you know you cannot keep a good man down? And you're a good man. And you're a good woman. And by the grace of God, you cannot be kept down. Why? Because you have a destiny. And your destiny is always connected to your identity. You'll never make it to your destination unless you know your identification. Because somewhere along the line, the enemy will trip you up and distract you, try to make you feel like you're less than the less, that you can't make it, that you can't do it. But oh, thank God, when you know who you are, when you know that you're more than a conqueror, when you know the greater one lives in you, you'll be able to go through the test, you'll be able to go through the trial, and you will arrive at your destination. Say with me, I'm going to arrive at my destination. <laughs> Whoo, glory to God. And so one day, the Apostle Paul was called, if you will, he was called on the carpet. 
And he had to appear before kings. And he had to appear before governments. And I can just about imagine in my mind's eye, just before that he was ready to be called front and center, all the government officials came in with great pomp and circumstance. They all came in with the red carpet unraveled, if you will. And there stands this little man, the Apostle Paul. He was little in stature. But he was the only happy one in that crowd. All of the officials, they are waiting to point their finger at him, to do something to him. And here's what the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 26 and verse 2. Notice this with me. Concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, King Agrippa, I have thought myself, I have thought myself happy <laughs> being about to make a defense before you today. One translation says, I think myself happy. Another translation says, I've been congratulating myself. <laughs> he is the happiest man there because he knows who he is and he knows where he's headed. Say with me, my divine destiny is connected to my identity. You see, something happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. We notice in verse 13 through 19, it says, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were come, all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice saying unto me, in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said, well, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. On that day, Jesus knocked the S out of Paul's name and turned it into Paul. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And in verse 16, he says, but rise. Everyone say, but rise. And stand up upon your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, and to witness both of those things which you have seen, and of the things which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all that are sanctified by faith which is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not obedient, disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Paul had a vision. And I encourage every one of you to stir yourself up. If you've had a vision and you've lost a vision... Go and get that back. Take back what the enemy has stolen from you. If one time you had great hope, but now you have little hope, spend some time with the God of hope and let him reignite hope. Let him reignite vision in your life. Know this, that God is not finished with you. 
that his plan stands, but he's waiting for you and he's waiting for me to rise up and take back what the enemy has stolen from us. We do not want to be like Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We are not of those that should be perishing in this day, in this hour. We are those that should be pursuing. We are those that should be pressing. We are those that should be going to the mountain of God and shouting glory to God. I'm full of life. I'm full of hope. I'm full of vision. I have a destiny. Oh, glory to God. And so Paul was happy. He was happy. And so we're in this series called Living in Righteousness. And there's four things that we want to talk about concerning living in righteousness. First of, the gift of righteousness. Secondly, the force of righteousness. Thirdly, the effect of righteousness. And then fourthly, the fruits of righteousness. Let us remind ourselves of Romans 5.17. For it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive, what kind of grace? Abundance Abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you know this as well as I do, that righteousness is a gift. But righteousness must be received. I heard that a preacher... A well-to-do preacher bought his grandmother just a beautiful dress. And they said, now, Grandma, why don't you wear this dress to church? I got it just for you. She says, oh, thank you so much. It's so beautiful, but I can't wear it. I'm going to keep it in the closet. I'll be buried in it, but I'm not worthy to wear it. right now and that's where a lot of Christians are as soon as you receive Jesus Christ God gives you beautiful new clothes he gives us robes of righteousness but did you know there's a lot of Christians that say oh I can't wear that I'm too unworthy I'll just hang it into the closet if you will until Jesus returns And when Jesus returns, then I will be righteous. But we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now. Now, here's a a truth that we need to see about righteousness and about this new man that we are in Christ Jesus. A truth that we need to understand is found in Colossians, the third chapter and the 10th verse. Notice what what it says. It says... And put on the new man. Put on the new man. What new man is he talking about? He's talking about that new man that's a new creation. He's talking about that new man that has right standing with God. But notice with me, he says, we need to put this new man on. And as a result, they'll be coming a renewal of knowledge after the image of him that created us. Now, naturally speaking, how many of you know that your clothing doesn't just jump on you every morning? I mean, you don't walk into your, wherever you get dressed at and say, okay, and all of a sudden you're dressed. Does that happen? 
No, we must dress ourselves every day. And spiritually speaking, we are to put on the new man every day. And one way that we can do that is we can meditate in God's word. It's like getting dressed in the morning. Have a time with God every morning where you acknowledge the good things which are in you in Christ Jesus. For example, you could see yourself putting on the robe of righteousness. Thank God I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can see yourself putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Putting your shoes on. Amen? The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. Putting on the new man by declaring who you are in Christ Jesus will dress you up and make you look very attractive in the realm of the spirit. Now, in Hollywood, they have what they, they, they have all these awards, right? They have the Academy Awards. What other kind of awards do they have? They have the grant, not the grannies, but the Grammys. They have the Grammys Award, okay? And oh my, you know, they're, they're on the red carpet and they're strutting their stuff. You know, everybody's looking their best. And the, and the interviewers are there and they're just so excited and, and they're saying, who are you wearing? Who, who are you wearing today? What? Whoever heard of who are you wearing? Now, what are you wearing? But who are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing whatever. I can't think of, you know, Oscar Delarante. What are some of the other women's deals? You know, you never hear one of them saying, well, I'm wearing J.C. Penney. Have you ever heard that? I haven't. Or who am I wearing? I'm wearing Tarjay. No. It's always something French or something you can't even pronounce. Who are you wearing? God has designer clothing designed just for you. You look so good. You got, whoa, there's a light about you. I mean, even at the gas pump. There's a light about you. There's a, there's a twinkle in your eye. There's a song in your heart. You look so good. It's because God is so good. And God is so awesome. And God is so great. To me. And the world's going to wonder. Who 
are you wearing? Will rise up and say, I'm wearing JC today. I'm wearing Jesus Christ today. <laughs> I got my designer jeans. Not talking about these. I'm talking about I've been regenerated and I've been regened in Christ Jesus. That's who I'm wearing. Ooh, glory to God. And God is dressing up some of us today in new clothes for a new season. New season, new doors, new blessing. Oh, hallelujah. Custom made by your creator. And you know the other good thing about it? It's got his label on it. You're labeled. You're marked for redemption. You're dressed for the end times. You are equipped to live in these last days by the equipper, by the designer from heaven itself. Raise your hands up and say, thank God I receive it. Woo, glory to God. Amen. So the scripture is put on the new man. Put off the old man and put on the new man. Now there should be a difference in what people see in our lives now that we are new men. Don't you think? Don't you think there ought to be some sort of a, a distinction, if you will? Not that we're better than... But there should be a distinction between those that are in right standing with God and those that have not yet come to Christ. So if that's going to be real in my life, I've got to make sure that I do something with my body every day. I can't let my body do what it did before I was born again. If I do let my body do before I was born again, I'll be dead. So it's our responsibility to keep putting off the old man. Not only the behaviors of the past, but the attitudes of the past. And the spirit, if you will, of this world, the spirit of this age. It's tangible. When What kind of spirit people have. Yeah, I'm born again. I'm born of God. Yes, I'm born of God. I'm I'm born again. But what kind of spirit are you displaying at work? What kind of attitudes are you displaying toward your wife? Toward your husband? Oh, here's another one. What kind of attitude are you displaying toward those who do not agree with you? Because you're going to find... In the family of God, there are people that are not on the same page as you. And it is not your responsibility to get them off their page and on your page. Your responsibility is to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be flooded with light. All else, my brothers and sisters, is futile. And it can lead 
to great strife and great division. And where there is strife, there is no faith working. You get that? Where there is me being out of sorts with you and, and you being out of sorts with me about what I believe and what I don't believe, what you believe and what you don't believe, there's going to be contention. And I believe that it is the plan of the enemy to divide his people in this day and this hour to keep our minds off what the gospel is all about. We've got a gospel to preach. For heaven's sake, there's 8 billion people in the world. And billions of them are on their way to hell. I don't have time to get in strife with you. I've got this gospel to preach. I've got these hands to lay hands on people. I've got this word to preach. I've got this encouragement to flow out of me to bring people up. And I, you know, if I was Mario Marillo, I'd stand next to my mic and say, Amen, Brother Mark, that's good preaching. Because faith is going to work by love. That doesn't mean that you agree with people. But it does mean you still have the responsibility to love people. In spite of their nasty selves. This is good preaching. Mm -mm -mm. I could say more, but I'm not. Let's talk for a few moments about the effect of righteousness. How many want to have an effect in your life? How many want to affect society? You want to affect this world. To do that, we must first be effected. Righteousness must first have an effect on us. Now look with me in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Isaiah 32 verse 17 says, And the effect of righteousness, it'll be peace. Notice this, how the Amplified says, Peace internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. This just keeps getting bigger and bigger in me. We will not be able to deliver everything that I have in my heart. But thank God you're coming back next week. I thought I'd hear a better amen than that. Can we have a little organ music on that, please? Now notice this. The effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and external. Hmm. So when we know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it will have a great effect on us, one of which is peace. Now notice with me with Romans 5. Make sure you keep your ears on. Romans 5 in the Amplified, verse 1. Therefore being, we are justified, acquitted. Everyone say, I've been acquitted. 
That means you're not a quitter. You've been acquitted. I've been declared righteous and given a right standing with God through faith. Let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now, I saw something the other day as I was studying. I noticed this word, with. We have peace with God. Now, the Greek word for with is P-R-O-S. And it literally means forward or toward. Implying motion or a direction. That's why Young's literal translation says it right. This is one of the most literal translations of the Bible. Young says it this way. Let us read together. Having been declared righteous, then by faith, we have peace toward God. Everyone say, I have peace toward God. So here's the idea. The idea is one of deliberate movement towards something or someone. We see a picture of a man or a woman moving forward unhindered toward a welcoming God. Thus bringing peace with God. What keeps people from moving toward God and forward motion motion toward him is they think that God is at war with them. They think that they serve a God who's going to get them for that. Like he's got a great big huge fly swatter. And every time they do wrong, he's going to take that ruler out that's got the steel edges. And he's going to do this on your knuckles. That's not the kind of God we serve. Hey, folks, God is not war, not at war with us. He's in love with us. He is for us. He's done everything that he can through Jesus Christ to bring mankind into reconciliation with himself. And when we have done that, we have peace with God. Oh, hallelujah. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And verse 21 says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. I love Andrew Murray's quote on this. He says, Faith is largely dependent on knowledge. If knowledge of what the blood can accomplish is not accurate, then faith expects little, and the more powerful effects of the blood are limited. What Andrew Murray is saying and what I'm saying, don't limit the power of the blood of the cross. For it brings us into right standing with God and it has such an effect on us internally that we have great peace. 
And then it moves from the inside to the outside. Say this with me. Faith in the blood. Faith in the blood of Jesus. And peace are connected. Romans 3 verses 25 through 27 says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Oh, friends, faith in the blood of of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power and it is the vehicle that launches you in to the very presence of God. And when you get into that presence, it takes boldness to come to the throne of grace. Boldness based on your right standing. But when you start experiencing the presence of God through faith in the blood of Jesus, by being launched into the presence of God, you will experience great joy. But you will also experience great peace. Say it with me. Fullness of joy and fullness of peace. One writer says this. What a wonderful sight it is to see a space shuttle launch. You can see it rise slowly, then rocket into another world. The power, the sound, and the sight are fascinating. The giant fuel cells that propel it are necessary to get it out of the atmosphere into outer space. The shuttle leaves the law of gravity behind and enters into a world of weightlessness. The writer says, I like to compare that to the blood of Jesus. He went on to say, faith in the blood launches the believer into another realm where the new law of faith rules. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus breaks the law of sin and death. The weight of sin that once held you down is broken and you are free. Then he said, think of the possibilities and the power in the blood of Jesus. The blood, the blood, the blood launches us out of the weight of sin. The blood of Jesus brings us into the presence of God and launches us out of the worry and the weights of this world and brings us into the peace of God. Dear brothers and sisters, this peace that we have, it didn't come from the world. Jesus said, it's not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And then he added, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, chill out, folks. I got this. Chill out. I got you. My hand is upon you. My healing power is flowing in you. I'm working on your behalf. The angels are causing whatever you need to come into your life. I've got you. I am for you. I am on your side. So don't you worry one moment longer. Enter into the peace of God. And here's our closing statement. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, if I'm not going to worry what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray. Just a thought. 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to God. And when I release the weight of worry and I talk to God, something happens in verse 7. But before you can get to verse 7, you got to do verse 6. And verse 6 says, release it. Let it go. Pray and praise. Notice verse 7. Here's what happens. And the peace of God. Peace with God. And the peace of God. External and external. And the peace of God. Which passeth all understanding. It will cause you to go nuts. You'll go crazy. No. God's peace. Passes your understanding. We started out, we never stop, we never stop, what? He never stops working. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now that's good, isn't it? But now to maintain verse 7, you've got to act on verse 8. And this has to do with what you think on and what you talk about all day long. It's great to be able to talk it in church, but you need to be able to talk it in your car. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are what? Are just. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, do what? Think. On these things. My prayer is this that you will think on the things that you have heard today, that you'll put on the new man, that you'll walk in holiness, you'll walk in righteousness, you won't act like the world, but you will be the love of God in action in this world today. Here's my prayer my prayer is the eyes of all of our understanding will be flooded with light. And this effect of righteousness, this work of righteousness, ooh, it'll bring such peace in your soul. It'll affect the way you sleep at night. It'll affect the way you act around your family. There'll be an internal and external peace that passes your understanding. And that's my message, August 28th, 2022. I hope you got something. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.